This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to $90 off the original price of four courses within the Everyday Gourmet series of instructional cooking courses. Choose from Essential Secrets of Spices and Cooking, Making Healthy Food Taste Great, Baking Pastries and Desserts, or Making Great Meals in Less Time for only $9.95. This great price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time, so order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This is a special ecumenical edition of the Weekly Standard Podcast. We've reached out to our friends at Commentary Magazine and asked Noah Rothman to join us for a conversation about Islamist terror, whether it's Donald Trump's conversation about 9-11 and the terrorists, or what's happening in Israel, which in my view is Islamist terror directed at Israel. Noah, welcome to the conversation and the Weekly Standard Podcast. Hi, Mike. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, Noah Rothman. So let's start with Trump. Is there a point... That Trump is trying to make, because as I wrote in my blog today, while he hasn't actually driven down 9-11 was an an inside job boulevard, he is just a couple blocks Mm. over honking his horn. Yeah, that's a a good way to put it, actually. Um, You know, I'm writing a piece right now on the Affordable Care Act, and it's it's falling apart, as it has been for some time. And I couldn't, I began, I can't, it can't help but begin with the lamentable, really regrettable uh, fact of the matter that. Donald Trump's insurgent candidacy and his general leftward tilt towards the seating the primary nomination and his, his instincts are generally liberal has led Republicans to really take their eyes off that ball as well as a whole bunch of other balls. He has had the effect of ratifying a lot of liberal dogma that we've already in, in the conservative movement have addressed and come to a unique, uniform consensus opinion. That differs dramatically from the liberal Democratic opinion. That's all being upended. And the latest example is Donald Trump's suggestion now that the Bush administration was presented with a lot of opportunities to review intelligence ahead of the 9-11 attacks that could have maybe possibly sort of could have averted those crises had they been taken more seriously and been addressed more proactively. That's something that we addressed and litigated really aggressively in 2004 in the presidential election. Mm -hmm. And now that wound is really reopened, and you're seeing a lot of people on the left really aggressively embracing this ratification of their deeply held dogmatic beliefs that the Bush administration took their eye off the ball and allowed the 9-11 attacks, not allowed them intentionally, but through complicity, allowed them to occur. Uh, Is Jeb Bush doing a good job of uh, defending the facts uh, as they are, or has he fallen into brother defends brother politics? No, Jeb Bush hasn't done a good job of defending himself on any front. Um, (laughs) He's he's really lackluster as a candidate, and and this is just another example of why it shows. He's taken now to sort of just posturing, folding his arms, and uh, feigning effrontery over the uh, over what is really a, a beyond the pale attack, but mm-hmm. he's not defending himself. Um, he's taken to fundraising off of it, uh, which I think speaks to perhaps his belief in the fact that it's just it's, it's an attack that's not going to gain very much traction, especially among the people that he needs to support his campaign. So he doesn't really have to go too far in defending himself. And I think that's probably a good strategy for him as a candidate. But he he should have allies and surrogates out there really aggressively pushing this. 
and relitigating the case that is so easy to make. Right. And you have the only people who are supporting Donald Trump's position here who aren't Donald Trump conservatives are people on the so far the left, like the Atlantic's Peter Beinart, that the case really doesn't make itself. This is a liberal a, a mm. position, a policy position, a belief structure. It's not really rooted in, in well, much fact. Let's get to Israel before we run out of time and the media coverage. And the, for the people who don't know, uh, Noah, what's the story on the ground in Israel right now? Uh, right now we have what what can really accurately be described as the nascent third intifada. Uh, we have uh, Palestinian teenagers primarily uh, wielding knives. A lot of them are Arab Israelis, in fact, uh, who are um, taking knives and, and attacking Israeli civilians, attacking uh, Israeli security forces. And uh, they are doing so uh, with the tacit or even implicit uh, support of the Palestinian Authority. It is it is very much an intifada. And the United States has been characterizing this in, bizarrely as some sort of frustration, a grievance uh, driven by settlement construction, which right. has not been going on uh, really substantially for, for some time. But the Palestinian Authority has been framing it as fear of uh, Israel changing the status quo at the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the Dome of the Rock in the mm-hmm. center of Jerusalem, one of the Jewish uh, religion's holiest of sites, where Jews are not allowed to pray. Um, they're not allowed to go anywhere near it, uh, besides the Western Wall, which is sort of like below that. Uh, so that's So we have a real disconnect in the United States. We can't understand this conflict because we choose not to understand this conflict. We choose to ignore what Palestinian Authority leader Mahmoud Abbas has been saying uh, about the the origins of this new state of violence. Right. No, I agree with you. And the uh, claims that the conditions have been changed, the rules have been changed, Al-Aqsa Mosque have been refuted again and again. And yet I heard a Palestinian uh, representative saying the Israelis are tunneling beneath it illegally and they will not allow Arabs to come in and pray. And I'm going, why isn't the reporter challenging her on this? We know that what she's saying is not true, but not a single time did the reporter say, well, how do you explain these other contrary reports or facts on the ground? It just doesn't happen. The assumption is that the Palestinians are telling the truth and the Israelis are murderers. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a that's a rough conclusion to reach, but I find it hard to argue with it because there there is so little factual evidence backing up the the grievance that we that the that Palestinians are saying. We're imposing grievances on the Palestinian Authority in the State Department in order to create the illusory claim that both sides are to blame here. There, there is so much, there's so little evidence to support that, that fact mm-hmm. that we're inventing it by creating grievances around settlement construction in the West Bank. And if you listen to Palestinian sources, they have invented uh, conditions and, and fears about, quote, uh, filthy Jewish feet, right. uh, it, you know, de- <clears throat> defiling the sacred Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. And as a result, you know, we have an actual state of violence that could really tear this this otherwise placid part of the of the of the Arab world when you consider the state of affairs in the rest of the Arab world Israel Palestine is one of the right. one of the safer places to be and now that looks like it's about to erupt too yeah uh, Mahmoud Abbas who, who made the comment about we won't let Israelis desecrate our holy sites with their filthy feet also said mm-hmm. each drop of blood that is spilled in Jerusalem is pure blood for as long as it's for the sake of Allah every martyr will be in heaven and every wounded person will be rewarded so the leader of the Palestinians who are supposedly grieved is praising the attackers, the murderers, and the killers, 
and uh, and we have also audio of people at the mosques, leaders, imams of the mosques, saying how to kill a Jew, how to stab here. Here, let me show you how in the world can John Kerry keep saying that this is about settlements or about a quid pro quo or the you know the, the uh, needing to stop the violence quote on both sides. Yeah, it's an article of faith, um, uh, particularly shared by Democrats. Uh, I don't really understand why that is happening beyond a desire to create moral equivalencies that sort of absolve you from taking sides in this conflict where there is clearly one side. But the lack of coverage of this latest state of violence in the United States compared to prior intifadas uh, really reflects the extent to which this cannot be blamed on occupation. There's, there's no occupation that you can say, okay, this is this is why right. Israeli Arabs are rebelling. Um, it, it just simply doesn't exist. It's been this is a manufactured conflict from beginning to end. And if we were to ever really seriously investigate it, that's the conclusion you would reach. Noah Rothman with the Commentary Magazine. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.